It's Thursday, July 15th, and you've got Oz in your ears. This is Dave. And this is Pete, and we're on the road for Radio Free Oz on Bob, the 57-foot yacht with its captain, BP CEO, Horny Wayward, uh, Tony Hayward at the helm. Oh, welcome aboard, boys. And with him is Mississippi Governor Haley Barber. What a beautiful day for sailing. The sea like moose. Uh, where are you uh, headed there uh, now, Tony? Well, I'm sailing around the world to offer my glad hand to all the sheiks and sheiks and Russians and Greeks who've partnered with BP. <laughs> oh! Ah, Watch it, it's those damn birds again. Albatrosses keep falling out of the oil rain and landing around my neck. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to sail out of here away from all the, the dead birds and the crowds of people suffering from unemployment. It's a, it's a disease, isn't it? More like an epidemic. Uh, we don't seem to be making much headway, Tony. Well, I could usually get through the gulf in a day, but not in these heavy seas. Oh, that six-foot-thick oil scum is, is bloody hard to cut through. That's no scum, Tony. What? What reminds me of the slick sheen from a criss-craft rafting by pulling a good-looking girl and a well-built guy. Hmm, I don't think the scum is your biggest problem, Tony. I think mm, that is... Oh. Mother of It's the whitening whale! The biggest super skimmer in the world! Look at those booms! Oh. They must be a thousand feet long and stuffed with salon poodle hair and gaga wig. Oh, it's headed right at us and it's pushing a vast slew of dispersion! It's going to sop us up! Why did you just let Pete and me off right here at Gas War Island, okay? Well, thanks, fellas. Good luck with the whitening whale. No worries, lads. I've never met an oil disaster as slick as me. This is Peter Bergman and David Osmond, completely at sea for Radio Free Oz, hoping that all's well with this oil well. Uh, where do we go to get a drink, I Pete? Don't know. Where's the helicopter pit? I love that music. I want to dance. Yes, here it is. Radio Free Oz in your ears. Up here on RadioFreeOz.com. Webcasting to the world. I'm your host, Peter Bergman. Our co-host, David Osmond. Hey, it's the middle of the month already, Pete. Yeah. Middle of July. How'd we do that? I don't know. That's really fast. Summer comes, summer goes. Well, man. and summer hit the uh, United States with a great punch. Pow! Ooh, baking in New York. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I am sympathetic with my brothers and sisters in the Big Apple or the Baked Apple, so to <laughs> the speak. The Apple it is. It now. is really, man. Yeah. But here on here on the island, I mean, it gets to be eighty-two, and everybody's going, "Whoa, heat wave! Records are breaking!" No, but you just go down to the water and cool off and jump you know, in the lake. You can jump in the lake here. So you know? when someone says go jump in the lake, yeah, they're, they're, they they're, mean they're it. being yeah, friendly. That's what Judith is doing right now. Well, my daughter went surfing with her boyfriend uh, off of uh, Double Bluff, and there was there was surf. Hard to believe, but there it was. Enough little surf to mm, just chug onto the beach. Yeah, just I suppose you could have it down there. A little mini break. Mini breaks. Mini breaks. Well, that's what we're going to give you for about the next hour right here is a little mini break in your regularly scheduled life. Yeah, how about that regularly scheduled life? It just comes and goes like the summer. This is the second of two cables that our ambassador to Afghanistan, Carl Eikenberry, sent to 
Hillary Clinton, this one on the 9th of November that follows up the longer screed of the 6th of November. That was about counterinsurgency in terms of civilian concerns. This cable is called Looking Beyond Counterinsurgency in Afghanistan. It's a secret cable that the New York Times was able to somehow dig out of somebody and publish. Madam Secretary, My previous cable addressed concerns about taking a decision too soon on a proposed counterinsurgency strategy that relies on a large, all-or-nothing increase in U.S. troops. I now propose that the White House commission a deliberate process to lay out the range of strategic options on Afghanistan and Pakistan, broadening the analysis beyond military counterinsurgency doctrine. There are three purposes of doing so. First, to make sure that we have tested every assumption behind the Afghan-focused military counterinsurgency proposal. Second, to examine non-military alternatives or companion requirements to a major troop increase. Third, to develop U.S. political understanding and support, as well as Afghan and allied public commitment. After such a process... General McChrystal's proposal may prove exactly what the president will decide is needed, but the time and effort put into this further deliberation will yield benefits far offsetting the costs, in my judgment. I support McChrystal's military analysis and recommendations as logical and compelling within his narrow mandate to define the needs for a military counterinsurgency campaign within Afghanistan. But the problems confronting our own strategic purpose, as laid out by the President on March 27th, are broader, and we must consider a wider set of variables before reaching a final decision. These unaddressed variables include Pakistan sanctuaries, a weak Afghanistan leadership and governance, NATO civil-military integration, and our national will to bear the human and fiscal costs over many years. The current military proposal properly sets aside each of these issues and many more because they are outside McChrystal's counterinsurgency mandate. Yet in reality, each has the potential to block us from achieving our strategic goals, regardless of the number of additional troops that we may send. We have time. Some argue that we must decide on the full-up troop deployment now. The military's long lead times, the requirement to bring along our NATO allies, and the, need to single, and the need to signal decisiveness and resolve are adduced as compelling reasons to announce the full troop request quickly. I disagree. We have the time we need, certainly into early next year. We must take that time to decide on the right course. As serious as the security picture in Afghanistan is today, it is not so dire that we need to announce or commit ourselves to sweeping changes immediately, either in our military or civilian posture. For example, additional combat brigades could be designated for possible deployment and begin training without requiring an immediate decision on whether to send them all. They would be arriving in increments in any case. To show resolve, the president must announce that he was immediately ordering a smaller contingent of U.S. forces to mentor the Afghan National Security Force and to protect the population, while emphasizing that further deployment would be conditioned on specific steps by the Afghan government, such as a commitment and a plan to take full responsibility for national defense on a specific timeline. Afghans, allies, and others in the region would see this not as indecision, but rather as seriousness of purpose. Why we must take the time. 
We have not yet conducted a comprehensive interdisciplinary analysis of all our strategic options, nor have we brought all of the real-world variables to bear in testing the proposed counterinsurgency plan. We agree that more troops will yield more security wherever they deploy for as long as they stay. But the last time we sent substantial additional forces, a deployment totaling 33,000 in 2008-2009, overall violence and instability in Afghanistan intensified. Also, neither the Afghan National Security Force nor the Afghan government has demonstrated the will or ability to take over lead security responsibility, much less governance, in any area cleared and held by NATO ISAF. Experience with troop increases, therefore, offers scant reason to expect that further increases will permanently advance our strategic purposes. Instead, they will dig us in more deeply. We also need time to work with President Karzai and his new team, many of whom may not be in place for several months, to test whether they are both able and committed to lead the counterinsurgency mission we are defining for them. In fact, Karzai explicitly rejected the counterinsurgency basis and purpose of McChrystal's proposal when first briefed on it in detail two months ago. Rather, in a PBS interview on November 7th, Karzai sounded bizarrely cautionary about his willingness to address governance and corruption. This tracks with his record of inaction or grudging compliance in this area. We need an intense, high-level dialogue to judge whether we can gain enforceable commitments from the Afghan government to build their own capacity and to assume responsibility for security and governance in cleared areas. Absent such a judgment, we cannot presume that another large infusion of U.S. troops necessarily will give us leverage over them. Don't want what, child? My coffee. The warden says he's tired of my coffee. Well, it's been pretty clear that your coffee don't got zest appeal. Zest appeal? What's that? I don't know. Oh. That's the secret ingredient in Erzot Brothers coffee. Yeah, look here. A blend of the finest Brazilian soya beans, Chilean chicory nuts, and Spanish flies. Here, take this can home with you, Katie. The next morning... More coffee, Warden! I think I've had enough. (laughs) Airzatz Brothers Coffee, the real one. Look for the can in the plain brown can. 